Hello? <laughs> Shut your pie hole. What a non-eventful week it's been for me. I got tested again for COVID and I was negative, which I find crazy because I was around somebody that had it. So whenever I was in Italy, I got a little sick and I was in Italy around the end of January and I got a little sick there. And I wonder if I had maybe like one of the first few cases of it or something. And I have like the antibodies, maybe like I already beat it or I'm just immune, or I just got lucky. Either way, I'm still trying to stay safe. Um, the only I've been around a few people, but they all tested negative as well. Um, but now I'm kind of a little more cautious again. I probably should have been cautious the entire time. So I'm staying home more. Yeah, definitely stay home, guys. I shouldn't be hanging out with anyone. But yeah, so no COVID for me. Everyone out there should get tested. Could be asymptomatic. You never know. Um, what else happened? Oh, I started swimming on Animal Crossing and that's been really fun. My island looks like trash. Nothing new. Oh, but oh, oh my gosh. Okay. This is actually really interesting to me. So in Animal Crossing, there's this little sea creature that you can get whenever you go swimming and it's called a mantis shrimp. And this mantis shrimp, I went into a rabbit hole of researching about it because it is so fascinating. It's this shrimp. It can be anywhere from like six to 12 inches long, lives on the bottom of the ocean. And it's really, really beautiful. It's very colorful and very nice, pleasant to look at. But let me tell you about this mantis shrimp. So this is the first cool thing about it. There's a few cool things. So humans have three types of color receptive cones in our eyes to see what colors we can see. So we have green, blue, and red. And so that's how we see our rainbow through all of those cones. So we have, you know, Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, Roy G. Green, blue, Indigo, violet, seven. So we can see like seven colors, right? Yeah, I think that's right. These mantis shrimp have, oh my gosh, they have 16 color receptive cones in their eyes. So who knows what kind of world they're seeing? They see colors we can't even, we we can't even wrap our heads around it. We have no idea what they look like. I can't even imagine the kind of world that they see. So they're super beautiful. They see all these beautiful colors that we can't see. And so you think it's like this amazing, wonderful unicorn like shrimp. But let me tell you, this shrimp is an underwater monstrosity. They have these like pincher things like their their arms, I guess. I don't know. These little claw pincher things on the front of them. And they can launch that bad boy at the speed of a caliber 22 rifle. It's insane. They can break glass. You can't really have them in an aquarium because they shoot their little arms out and it snaps so fast. It is equivalent to the power of a 22 caliber rifle. I guess it's not the same power. I guess it's the same velocity of a 22 caliber caliber rifle. So whenever they're attacking their prey, they shoot that little arm at it. And even if they don't hit the prey, even if, you know, they miss it, all of that power in their in that shot, all that velocity It's so powerful that it creates like an underwater shockwave. So like if we had as much power as they have, like even one tenth of the power they had, we could launch a basketball into orbit. Like that's insane, like how powerful this little shrimp is. And so they create a little shockwave and that shockwave produces, it makes the water boil because it's so fast. And whenever these water bubbles collapse, it produces an underwater shockwave. 
So it'll knock out the prey anyway. And it makes little tiny bursts of light too. It's just incredibly powerful, this little shrimp. Like, I'm obsessed with them right now. Should be my new favorite animal. Even scientists are studying the mantis shrimp for potential body armor for combat troops. It's that great. Let's see. I've been, I went to Katie's new place. It's wonderful. She's actually going to be my guest today, so that's really exciting. But one thing that I wanted to point out is people always talk about me and Nick and our friendship and you know suspicions on whether or not we're dating. We aren't. We never will. He's a really good friend to me. And I want to prove how good of a friend he is because people don't really understand because they don't know him. But if you know him and he's a friend to you, he's an amazing friend. So Katie has her new apartment. Her TV's on the ground. Nick comes over and he's like, hey, I can mount that for you sometime. And Katie's like, oh, yeah, sure. Sounds good. And, you know, we didn't think much of it. And then the next morning, bright and early, Nick calls us, hey, I'm going to come over and mount your TV for you, like without us reminding him, without us even asking him again or anything. And he showed he showed up with all of his tools, happy as a clam, handyman Nick, hung up the TV, like was in a great mood about it. It was it was just really awesome. And, you know, he didn't have to do that. And we didn't even ask him to. He wanted to. It was really sweet. He's a great guy. I've been trying to get my life together this week. I feel like I haven't been myself lately and I feel like I've been really unproductive and I've been wanting to get into a better routine or at least, you know, start holding myself accountable to like cleaning up more and, you know, not being so lazy. And so I'm kind of just giving myself a kick in the keenster. I don't think that's the word. Keister? I'm trying to just motivate myself and it's been working really well. I've been using Google Calendar and like making out a schedule of all the things that I should do. I don't stick to the times exactly. It's just kind of more of like a reminder like, all right, sometime around here you need to like make sure you're taking the time to clean up some stuff. Um, I've been making lists. I'm not usually a list maker. I've been making lists. But yeah, I, I do feel a lot happier that I'm doing more than just like, you know, sitting on the couch, laying in my bed. You know, I've been trying to make my own meals, like some nice healthy meals, go for a walk, just trying to do like these little things in life that I somehow forgot how to do um, for a while there. I think that whenever I was a kid, I just did everything because I was told to. I go to school. The teachers tell me what to do. I go to volleyball. The coach tells me what to do. I go home. My dad tells me what to do. And then you're out on your own and you're like, hmm, nobody's telling me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want. And what do I want to do? I want to watch TV all day or I want to lay in bed and nap or, you know, I want to eat bad food. I want to drink wine. And you, you go a little crazy with all this freedom. And then you just start feeling bad about yourself. And you're like, now I'm at this point in my life. Finally, I'm 25. Like, wow, it's taking me this long. But even on The Bachelor, everyone was telling me what to do. So I guess now I'm just kind of like, huh, doing all the things that I want to do doesn't necessarily make me happy at all actually makes me unhappy because I feel like a bum and it's okay to do those things sometimes but you can't be doing them all day every day you have to have some like discipline some self-discipline you have to give yourself some structure I know it's very simple basic things that everyone's probably going to be like well duh you can't do whatever you want you need to like do the right things and do productive things but it's all about making the right choice and like having to be like disciplined enough to make these right choices instead of taking the easy, lazy way out, the fun way, because the fun ends. And then you're sitting there looking at yourself in the mirror saying, I haven't showered in three days. I've got dishes in the sink that have been there for a week. I need to get myself together. And um, it's, if you're struggling with that too, I don't know, I might just be a child. I mean, I guess I am like mentally, but I'm trying to be better. And trying to be better and doing things definitely is helping me feel more accomplished and have 
a better mood, better energy. Because, uh, you know, whenever you're like being a bum and then you see somebody who's not being a bum and you're just like, dang, I need to get my sh- together. I don't like that feeling. But it is smart to surround yourself with people who are more productive than you. You know, they say you should always be around people that are better than you. So I've been trying to do that, too. But it's like if I'm surround, if you're supposed to surround yourself with people that are better than you and I do that, why are those people that are better than me going to want to surround themselves with me who is not as good as them? You know, maybe they maybe they are so they're so much like, you know, better than me and better at life that they want to take me on as like a little, you know, project. And they want to help me because they've got their shit together so much that they have the time to help somebody like me who's struggling with it. But to help with some self-discipline, you can go to Reddit and go to the subreddit called Get Disciplined. And there's a lot of people who have similar struggling stories and with discipline and motivation. And it's a helpful community to tell you about how to get motivated and stuff like that. So I encourage you to check that out if you're struggling too. And now... For today's guest, somebody who does help me to get motivated and helps me with self-discipline is my bestie, Katie Morton. We were on the show together and she's lovely. She has great energy. She's a wonderful friend to me and I'm really excited to get to do this with one of my best friends today. So let's welcome Katie Morton. Katie, I am so excited to have you on today. For those who don't know, Katie is my best friend and the person I talk to the most from the show. Her and Nick have really been there for me and very helpful during my breakup, and I couldn't have better things to say about her. So, hello, Katie. Hey, hey. What have you been up to? Uh, moving. I moved out of my old apartment that I've had for four and a half years, like since I first came to LA, pretty much. And... I've already moved out for the most part, and I basically am so glad. I thought I was going to regret it for some reason because I get scared of change, but I'm so happy already. I know that you moved closer to the beach and so far away from me. You used to live like two minutes away from me, and now you live like, I guess, 20 on a Sunday night. (laughs) (laughs) On a Sunday night, no traffic. (laughs) But what inspired you to move? Because it came out of nowhere. You just all of a sudden were like, oh, yeah, I signed a lease. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) So I've thought about moving for the last like two years. A lot of people were saying, didn't you just move? And I think what they were confused about was that I just redid my other apartment to try to make it to where I would like it more. But I just didn't. I think I just grown out of the space. So much had happened in that apartment. I've done so much growing. I just saw it as a cocoon of all this growth. And I just wanted to start new and start somewhere that was like fresh, bare bones. So quarantine really helped me understand what my needs are when it comes to a place where I live. So before it was like, obviously always stay in the budget. But my place did for me what I needed it to do when I needed it and at that time. I've had it for so long. And then in quarantine, I realized it gets zero natural light. There was no private sun space. Bear was just staring out the window, looking depressed, even though I know he was fine. But uh, maybe I was projecting. (laughs) um, I just started writing down some needs that I would have in a home. Also like trying to stay within my budget. And then I left. I did go to Louisiana. I did travel during a pandemic, which was a which was pretty scary, but I was as careful as possible. And when I was on my way back, I had this thought. I said, don't make me go back there. 
I'm like, dang, you know, it's, you know, you're over a place and it's bad when you're just like, I extended my trip because I didn't want to go back. And on the last day of my trip, I knew that I wanted to have a sense of like motion and action by the time I got back, because during quarantine, I'd looked at apartments and I just couldn't pull the trigger. I did at one point, then it fell through for a multitude of reasons. And in Louisiana, I got an email, saw a place, picked it, called them, said, hold it for me, pay the deposit, came, saw it, signed the lease, and was like, whoa, I live somewhere different now. That's crazy. But it put everything in motion. And I think, honestly, it was exactly what I needed. I love your new place. I saw it and then me and you did that like walk in the morning yesterday around the beach and everything. Uh, Not where the beaches were closed, just on where you could be. And it is so peaceful there and so inspiring, like just to like live a different life. I felt like I was on a vacation in Florida, but in the best way. And then I got home and now this morning I was supposed to go on my morning walk, but I didn't. I literally got to the door and I looked out there and I was like, I do not want to walk around my neighborhood. I hate it here now. I'm like, I need to move by Katie. I need to be their stat. But I think it's really important that you do mention the fact that natural light can change the entire energy of a room. Whenever we have been looking at apartments and stuff, or, you know, me and my other friend, Sam, back in Texas, every time I'm like, oh, where's the natural light? Like, is there going to be natural light? And I know that was so big for you. And looking at you right now on the Zoom call, there's so much natural light. So much. And you look so wonderful. And it just really, really changes your whole mood. Yeah, it really does. You know, what? <laughs> to be honest, like in quarantine, I'd been looking at apartments so much in the sense of on online mainly. I, I went and actually socially distanced and like very carefully saw I believe three. Um, I was really making that limited because of the pandemic, but I knew this crazy checklist of what I wanted. Here's the must haves. And then here's the extras that I'd want. I put my must haves at the top, must have washer dryer. Cause I lived without one for five years and I just wanted one. And then my must haves like central AC wasn't even on my must haves. It was on my extras. <laughs> so crazy because any other part of the country you're like, what? Cent- you didn't, <laughs> it wasn't a must have to have central AC, but no, it wasn't. And, um, I just put my must haves in the extras. And then one of my main must haves was natural light and an extra was South facing, uh, just because I had realized South facing apartments get so much light. Um, and I, I picked up the phone and was like, hi, is this apartment available? This is the, it seemed to be the last like, like one that they had left and, um, or that like fit the specifics of like the square footage I wanted in the budget. And I said, which way does it face? And she said, it faces south. And I said, I'd like to put this on hold without even thinking like without any pictures or anything. Cause it didn't have any floor plan layout online. It had like a couple of generalized pictures, but the moment she said south facing and it was within my budget with the same, with the amount of square footage and a washer dryer, I said, good day, sir. I'm coming. I will be leaving Louisiana to go straight there. <laughs> I know it happens so fast, but I think it is really important though. Like if you are somebody who does, you know, not you specifically, but the, anyone who's listening right now, if you do struggle with depression or anxiety, I do encourage you to find a place where you can get some natural light. Yeah. Uh, if you are, if you don't like going outside, then find a place where you can be inside and get natural light because it really does change your mood. 
It changes um, everything. I mean, I've struggled with anxiety and depression for a long time, at least, I mean, 10 years now, possibly life. I mean, anxiety for my whole life. But even depression, I've noticed a change when I first got into that other apartment. And I knew that, you know, you blame it on a lot of things. You can, at one point, I'm like, I think I'm just homesick, or I think um, I'm just having a rough week, or this and this and this. And then some of those things change of course with mindset but when you struggle with depression it's a little bit it's some people are like well just tell yourself and choose happy and it's it's a lot harder than it is to when you're struggling with depression just choosing happy is not always what that seems yeah Yeah. like with depression I I should and supposed to be choosing happy but for some reason the chemicals in my brain are like I'm not happy right now so changing your environment uh, will change the way your brain reacts to that. And that will help you to be happier as opposed to just being like, I'm in the same environment and I'm trying to choose happy, which is what I was trying to do in that other apartment. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. And immediately in this one, I mean, obviously I have stuff to do with the move, but I'm already, I've already, I'm, I've always been someone who works a lot and like is motivated in general, but I'm already more motivated with natural light, at least from the start. Like in my mornings, I'm like, I'm already ready to get out of bed and do stuff. I remember whenever you were at your old apartment, you know, uh, and I could relate because this is kind of, I mean, this is my experience whenever I have depression and stuff. It's like, okay, so, you know, we'd be in your dark apartment and you'd be like, I'm so, you'd be like, I'm so sad. It's so dark in here. Like it's making it worse. And we'd be like, okay, let's go for a walk to like a restaurant down on the corner or something. And then we'd be good like for five minutes. And then the second we'd get back into the apartment, you were like, I hate it here. It's so dark. Like, and then, you know, it'd make you sad again. And really, I think like natural light has a lot to do with that. And it can make you feel okay. It, it really does, especially because remember those recessed lights in my other apartment? I never wanted to turn the lights on because the lights were so, uh, so yellowy yeah. that I was like, I don't want to turn the lights on. So I would sit in there until the natural light dissipated. And that was by... By 2 p.m., I had no natural light. So if I didn't walk outside, which if you are struggling with depression, it's hard to like make yourself do things sometimes like that. If I didn't have a reason to go outside, I might not go outside. And then I wouldn't even realize like that it was a nice, pretty day. I would just sit there pretty much in the darkness by 3 p.m. And I never realized how detrimental that was to my health. I was like, why aren't I motivated right now at 3 p.m.? It's only 3. It's because, oh, Katie, you're sitting in a hobbit hole at the moment. (laughs) Uh, But also, at the same time and in the same conversation, I was like, but be appreciative. You you do have your own apartment in Los Angeles. It is expensive to live here. So I was struggling with be appreciative, but also this place makes me feel like shit. (laughs) Like, at the same time, it was like, be grateful. I feel like but be grateful. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember you struggling so much. And it's been really fun to like watch you because I haven't seen you much since quarantine started because you were so strict on yourself and being very safe the first few months. And I still think you've been really safe. I know you traveled and stuff, but for them, I know that you were very cautious of people who came to your new place. You made sure everybody tested negative that was put at risk, you know, or was around somebody who had it. Um, but it has been fascinating for the time that I didn't get to see you to watch you go through this journey on your Instagram and like show like this moving process and you, I know how hard you work. Like you inspire me so much to create content 
because you always work so hard at it. Whereas I just like throw up an Instagram story, swipe one time, get that Paris filter on there. And I'm like, eh, good enough. And you like go through when you really do take the time to make it look really good. And like, how do you do that? Like, how do you do it? Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been using, because I know people do want a little bit more about life and I'm, I'm very hard on myself as you know. So like, I feel like I don't post nearly enough or when I do post, I'm like, does this even benefit people? Is this stupid? Like, I don't want, I want people to feel like I'm benefiting them. If they're going to spend time on my page, I want them to feel like they left with something of value. Jeez. And so I am hard on myself in that sense. Cause sometimes I'm like, well, that was pointless. I just posted a the corner on my couch. No one cares. Um, but because I have a photography background, I mean, I feel like I've done every job under the sun, but photography was one of my hobbies growing up. I got my first DSLR camera when I was 16 uh, for my 16th birthday. And I used to take pictures for people all the time. So I feel like Instagram has been my way of kind of, especially my Instagram stories. It's been my way to kind of keep my photography hobby or my creative hobby and the way like pictures or videos are taken and kind of utilize that in sharing my life. So I don't mind taking an extra step to do an extra filter, like add some grain and make it look like it was a film photo because I mean, I did photography, I mean, as a hobby, yes, but I mean, I even volunteered at an art school over the summers and I would like help kids make a camera out of like a cardboard box. And we would do like, it's kind of a way to make, um, a handmade film photo. I've always liked that vintagey look. So like I, I just like creating stuff like that. So I've just been doing it on my Instagram stories because it's kind of my way of keeping a photography hobby without going out and pursuing a whole nother thing. You should do like a an IG uh, what do you, IGTV thing of you showing how to make that little camera with the cardboard box because I know you've told me about that before, but it still uh, doesn't make sense to me. So I need to see it <laughs> actually happen. Yeah, I'm gonna need to make one for you. Uh, or we can we'll have a craft day and we'll make one together. Because I, I mean, uh, I used to teach eight year olds how to do it. It's like literally <laughs> teaches an eight year old how to do it, and I like can't figure it out. I'm like, no, wow, it's okay. It doesn't. If you don't understand, I mean, they were going to like a school for the arts. You know, like this was their dream, or really, essentially, their parents' dream. <laughs> <laughs> it was their parents' way of babysitting their kid into Juilliard, but like, <laughs> um, but as, uh, that starts with a cardboard box camera, apparently. So I will teach you how to make it one of these days. Oh my gosh, thank you, that's amazing. Um, you always have such a beautiful aesthetic on your Instagram, and I, I really am inspired by your content because I suck at it. But uh, is there any advice that you would give? to influencers or people out there who aren't even influencers that maybe just want to have like a good Instagram page or, you know, any, any advice that you could give? Cause you are so good at it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I feel like, you know, hard on myself. So I feel like I have a lot more work to do, but the influencers that I follow. So the advice I'm going to give is by what I see that affects me. Um, not exactly what I particularly do, but um, what I see that affects me is that someone who is consistent and brings value. So as they all say, consistency is key. And sometimes that is exactly what I'm not. But <laughs> I, um, I see people that if they're doing like, I want to know why I'm coming to your page. So sometimes I'm like, oh, I need something for fitness. Oh, I'm going to go to this person. I'll be like, I want photography info. So I'm going to go to this person or, um, 
I want food inspo. So I'm going to go to this person. And the reason I'm going to those particular people is because they're constantly posting something. So I know the next time I go, I won't have to scroll down a ton to find their one avocado toast recipe. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to find like five recipes in just seeing their page like really quickly. Um, because everyone's a consumer these days and everyone's decently impulsive and we want it and we want it now. So like, if I go, I want to see a workout right away. I don't want to have to scroll for one. Um, so kind of, you know, posting whatever you want to post, but being consistent with it and also staying in your lane and doing what you actually like to do. Because if you brand yourself on doing something you don't like to do, like, for me, I don't like to come up with a lot of outfit ideas. I just don't. I wear workout clothes, which I would love to like show workout clothes, but I'm not going to be a person that's like, you can wear this shirt five different ways. So I'm not going to brand myself that way. And I'm not going to post consistently about that just because 100,000 other beautiful influencers are posting that. I'm still, because I am still new to this, trying to figure out, you know, I know what I like, but I just need to get more consistent with it because it's not a natural habit for me to just share everything and why I like it and how I like it and things like that. Um, I like home stuff. I would love to be more consistent posting that. Um, I think the people that do follow me know I like home stuff. I love my dog, obviously. I always post about bear, but I could post more. Let's say I love bear so much. I could post more tips on how to train him because I do train him well. So uh, it's not about all the crazy ideas because I have a lot of them, but just let's say picking five of them and just rotating out what you post and being consistent. That's really interesting. And that's a really good point that you make. And that just like sparked an idea in my head that you should do too. I'm like thinking of all these ideas for you. You should do uh, some kind of like tutorial as well about how you go about editing some content because you have all the editors, like all the good editing apps and all this stuff. And you're so secretive about it. And we need to know Katie's secrets. Like you should totally just show people how to take, you know, a photo and then how to make that photo so elevated and make it aesthetically pleasing because you do such a great job of it. And I think people would be really interested in that because I mean, for me personally, I can do like a half-ass job and it's like semi-okay. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. But Every time I look at your stuff, I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Like, how did she get there? And why am I here? I'm like, I feel so bad about all my content. Katie's is so good and like so well thought out. And I know you spend a lot of time on it, but it does look so good. (laughs) But also I spend time on things that like don't give me a return on the investment of time that I put into it sometimes. So (laughs) there are times where it's just absolutely not necessary to do that. But like I said, it goes back to fueling my photography hobby. It's not... I'm not doing it for others. That part I'm doing for myself. So I, I will start sharing because I have gotten asked that question in my DMs. Like, how'd you make this? How'd you make this? I never thought anyone really cared. It was more of like, I'm kind of doing this for me, which is exactly how you should make content because then it's actually enjoyable. What if I told you you could get high quality organic and non-GMO groceries delivered to your door for a lot less than you're paying right now and help out families in need? That's what I'm doing since I discovered Thrive Market. As a proud Thrive Market member, I get the products I love and my paid membership provides a free one for someone in need, like a low-income family, teacher, veteran, or first responder. Thrive Market tailors to over 70 different diets and values, like paleo to keto to plant-based, etc., delivering the highest quality organic and non-GMO foods. They also offer clean beauty and bath products, pet staples, and non-toxic cleaning products, plus ethical meats, sustainable seafood, clean wine, and more. 
I love using Thrive Market to get pet supplies for my cats. They have the cutest cat toys and the best food and treats. My cats love their Live a Little's freeze-dried raw chicken breast treats. And the coolest part is that dogs can have them too. And they are gluten-free, non-GMO, dairy-free, cruelty-free, and so much more. So if you are a cat and a dog person, Thrive Market has the perfect treats for your pets. The best part, it's all delivered right to your door. As a member, I'm saving 25 to 50% off traditional retail prices and their carbon neutral shipping is free on orders over $49. Not only do I feel great about getting a deal on my favorite clean organic products, but I also feel great about helping to support families who need it most. In addition to membership matching, Thrive Market is matching donations to their COVID-19 relief fund dollar for dollar. Thrive Market is working 24-7 to make sure members are getting their groceries delivered as fast as possible. You can learn more about their commitments to customers and membership matching on their website. Try Thrive Market and become a member risk-free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash BDE. Join today and you'll get up to $20 in shopping credit towards your first order. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash B-D-E to start your risk-free membership and get up to $20 towards your first order. That's thrivemarket.com slash B-D-E. up for this i i do want to address this situation if you want to if not we don't have to we can cut it out but i i know that me and you talk about reddit a lot because um they they want my head on a spike uh and they genuinely they generally praise you a lot they love you on there but there was one time where they didn't and they all were mad because your influencing is hard scandal that you had about Coachella last year. And I, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to clear the air if you wanted to. All right. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally willing to clear the air. I've been trying so hard. Like, I used to, when I first got off the show, check Reddit a lot because that's, like, what I was told. And then I was like, damn, this is... No, then we had to stop. Like, I had to stop because I was like, oh, my God, these people make me hate myself. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't want to check it when I was, like, especially when I was in my relationship because I was like... Huh. There were too many truths on there, you know, that I was avoiding myself. But um, when it came to Coachella last year, it was actually the, that was my first traumatic experience because it wasn't even Reddit necessarily. It was um, in my comments. I think I had like 10,000 likes or something that which was like the biggest amount at the time. It was like the craziest thing for me. And so many comments. And when I wrote that... I don't think I said thank your local influencer, which is what it turned into. It said something on, oh, it said creatives. And the word creatives got taken and switched into your local influencer. And what I meant by that, which is like, I understand where people were coming from because I could see where when reading it wasn't well done <laughs> with grammatic, like my grammar. Sometimes I just write, one big run-on sentence and expect people to understand my tone and punctuation, which is my bad. But at the time, and to be totally honest, like I hadn't understood, I've never had been able to afford to go to something like Coachella before. And I thought of, and I also had never experienced true influencers at the, it's like, we're, we're bachelor people we haven't been practicing doing all this or maybe like Hannah G was an influencer before, but like we hadn't been practicing doing, putting our lives out there. And basically to me, an influencer, this is when it really clicked. 
as someone who's a dancer and has been a photographer, a creative person on all fronts, and has also worked other jobs in order to enjoy my creativity, I know the hustle it takes to also try and make your dream thing a real job, but you also have to be hustling on the other side too. And I never looked at influencers as someone that's similar to a photographer or a videographer or an event planner or someone in that creative field in my mind. And at the time I had looked at influencing as like, wow, what I would like an influencer looks like they have a pretty easy job. They just like go and they take a beautiful picture and then they just post it and they write what they like. Well, that was like the moment Coachella was the like shining moment where I was like, Oh, this is going to be a bunch of influencers running around in the cutest of outfits. What it was, was an insane insane like yeah it was an eye-opening experience where I was standing there and I was very lucky I got to go for free I didn't get paid to go and what I found out was a lot of people do not get paid to go a lot of people actually do pay to go um I got to go for free as long as I did a certain amount of tasks but um which I was very grateful for I was super thankful for and even I talked to the brand after about my like caption and they were like this isn't bad because they understood where I was going especially when I explained it to them they were like this isn't bad at all but when I what I meant basically was I what I saw when I got there was a bunch of people that were running around making their own mini Vogue magazines. <laughs> like, <laughs> I swear to God. I was like, whoa, this person's coming up with a concept over here by the Ferris wheel. This person's coming in and she's got her, her photographer friend. They're doing 50 different poses. They're taking 1,000 photos. They're editing them right there. They're sending them to the brand, emailing people, making sure it checks out. And if they don't have a brand deal and they didn't get here for free, they're literally making their own mini magazines in hopes of next year getting a brand deal. So, and like, if you, if you were invited to any of the after parties or like the Revolve thing, um, which I love the, like Revolve is like such, it's such a cool brand and a lot of girls want to be a part of it. But like what people see is a girl in the flat and that, you know, that big flower like pile and the girls yeah, sitting yeah. on the stairs looking happy as hell. What you don't see is, before you get to the revolve thing, there's a there's a line you wait in for four hours in the heat with no shade. Then you get you get into this bus and you get over to the revolve thing. Then you wait in another line for an hour and a half to get to the flower thing. Then you got to get your photographer to take one thousand photos in a matter of sixty seconds. And then like and then you got to go edit them. And if it's not good enough, you get back in line. <laughs> and and in order to come to the revolve thing next year, depending on how many followers you have, you might have to post fourteen good looking photos of yourself at the music festival in a matter of two days and that's your ticket in and I'm like I was overhearing all these people's deliverables for certain brands and certain things and like I was like wait so when do we see the when do we see the uh artists exactly that's what I was just thinking about like it's Coachella is supposed to be an experience that you have with your friends where you just like let loose and you just enjoy music and you have fun you know and all these things. And um, the last thing I want to be doing at Coachella, like whenever I'm just trying to have like an escape from reality is having to stand there, take a bunch of photos. And also I know like you have to take pictures of your friends too, because like, you know, if you have influencer friends, you're taking pictures of other people and that does get really stressful. And so I totally understood where you're coming from. I understand also why people would say it's like ungrateful. And it's like, Oh my oh, God. Well, yeah. and my, my other thing was like, 
hard. It's just stressful and it ruins experiences and it ruins events like Coachella that are supposed to be about having fun. Well, essentially, I wasn't even trying to say like, hi, I was saying this is harder than it looks in the sense of not for me. Well, yeah, for me too. But like, I basically was saying, hi, guys, mainly shout out to you influencers. I judged you before and thought that you guys just showed up here and took a flouncy photo, posted it, and it was like all is good. And then you just set up your little picnic table and watch these artists. And not what the case. Didn't real. And what I was saying was like, I see you now. I see your hustle. I see you trying to be your own creative director, your own marketing manager, your own sometimes your own photographer, your friend's photographer, and then you're doing the costume changes and being your own costume designer. Like I see you trying to do five jobs in order to create your mini magazine via Instagram. And I'm sorry for disrespecting your personal craft because I didn't understand it because as a dancer and photographer, people don't know that dancers stand or go to auditions full of thousands of people uh, spend an entire day at an audition. They know they might get a no to, but if they get in front of that choreographer, it might give them another job down the road. And that's essentially what influencers are doing make posing with brands that might not be paying them in hopes to maybe get another job down the road. It's a, it's just a similar creative person hustle, but I wasn't at the same time was not trying to take away from uh, essential workers, which people are like, well, firefighters have a hard job. And I'm like, when did I say firefighters didn't have a hard job? That's not what I was saying at all. I was just saying, oops, I'm sorry for prejudging this one particular job. Shout out to you guys. I see you hustling out here but it got twisted and I felt so bad. I was like, I would never try to take away from anyone else's job. I'm never trying to say that someone like never, never trying to say that someone's experience is harder than another person's experience. Everyone's experience is different for everyone. And something that some one person might find hard is something another person might find easy and vice versa. It's the same, like some people are good at math and some people are good at English and one can do one, one can do the other and maybe flip-flop, they couldn't do either. And it might be super hard for the math person to do an English project and the English person to do a math thing. It's just perspective. And I think that's where everything got twisted and people thought I was taking away from one when I was just saying, I see you to another. Yeah, I totally get what you mean. Yeah, I, I definitely thought I got misconstrued because I totally saw where you're coming from. It's so crazy, like influencers these days, like, it's such a big deal in our world and it, they're even like such a big part of pop culture now influencers and reality stars yeah. and all that stuff and i know me and you love to talk about pop culture and so i want to talk about my personal favorite thing that's going on right now that i'm the most passionate about it's not my favorite thing that sounded bad but it's what i'm passionate about and it's free britney and we talked about this and i just want you to share the information that you know about free britney because a lot of people out there have no idea what's going on with her and what she's been through and you did inform me about some stuff yeah so i mean i know a very brief amount of information in regards to britney spears but i what i do know is that she had a meltdown at one point and what i do know is that her father was in charge of her finances or got like signed the rights to her finances what I do know is that she doesn't have rights to pretty much any of her own shit. <laughs> and um, that's really tough to not have a voice in your own life. Um, I don't know the full extent of Free Britney, but I, I know that she's been through the ringer. Um, and now I feel bad. I mean, I was thinking about it this morning because we had talked about it yesterday. I went to a Britney Spears concert in 2009 in Tampa, that was right whenever her dad took control of her, I think. Yeah, so I went to 
a con- the circus concert. And I remember it was late. They were coming from Miami and, and they were late. And I had just driven two hours to Tampa and my, and I was super young. I was in middle school or high school, 2009. I was in high school and uh, my mom had driven me and like was way past curfew because they were so late. And I remember them saying like, there was like 30 something semis, semi trucks full of all of her stuff, which is why I was taking so long to get from Miami. She had 30 plus semi trucks full of props. It was like 3000 suitcases full of props. And I was like, well, this better be a phenomenal show. <laughs> and I had like nosebleed seats, but I was so excited to see Brittany and What's crazy is my favorite Pussycat Dolls opened my, which they were part of my favorite at the time too. My favorite performance from her on that stage was the song Every Time. And it relates so much to her needing to be freed. I just got the chills. And I was crying because I didn't know that that's what she was meaning. But I was just like, I was relating it to like my own relationship at the time. Like I was like, you know, you're like in high school and you're like, Every time I try to fly, I fall without my wings. I feel so small. You're just like, yes, I feel small. Like, I need my wings back. Like, and you're in high school, you're, that's full drama zone. So, so, and I'm seeing her, the whole arena, it was, uh, the forum or something was dark and there was like stars everywhere. And she was in a huge life-size, like this life, I don't know, like double human size umbrella and she was sitting on it and it just brought her all the way into the sky until she was like, I'm in the nosebleed. She's like in line with us. And she's like going and she's like, I guess I need you baby. Like going straight up into the ceiling. And I'm like, bye. And like crying. I just felt like all like looking back at it. She was so sad. There was like so much, there was so much sadness and a couple of those songs like lucky and every time were like performed and they were like the best most passionate I'm gonna cry Uh, yeah and so now yeah looking back I was really lucky to see that but you see so emotion so much emotion in her during those performances it's so crazy like oh Britney Spears I had no idea like we all I mean I knew about the breakdown but I didn't know about yeah essentially her dad claimed that she had dementia and then took that to court and took over entire control of her life where she can't she has no control over who she calls when she uses her phone what she eats who she dates if she can get married if she can have kids i mean she has no rights murderers and rapists have more rights than she does and it's all because they claim she has dementia and they put her on these crazy doses of antipsychotics and so everyone's hating on her on like tiktok and instagram and commenting mean things to her about all her instagrams and it's like this woman who is an icon in pop culture history, like music industry history, everything, has no control over anything she does. They're drugging her up. That She doesn't get to use her money in any way she wants to. They have all the control over her money too. And she's just like trying to make the best of it and feeling herself and like trying to make a little video, like doing whatever and that they will approve of. And Everyone's hating on her. And the most interesting part of all of it, not the most interesting part, but a very, very interesting part is that she posted, uh, I don't know if it was on TikTok or Instagram or something. And they were like, if you need help, wear yellow in your next video. And in her next video, she wore a yellow shirt. What? Yes. What? Who are they? Every time someone says they, I'm like, who are they? Who are they that posted? All the people in the comments? There was one person in the comments and the, it like got to be like a top comment. 
And so, and then on the next one, whenever she wore yellow, everyone was like, oh my fucking God, she did it. She wore yellow. Like she needs help. And I heard that her hearing is coming or like maybe not the hearing, but like the reassessment of the rules that have been placed on her since I think it was 2008. It's been 12 years. Yeah. 2008. Oh my gosh. They postponed it. The judge postponed it to August 2020, August 22nd, 2020. So this, so like in a little over a month, but I'm like, why would he postpone it? And I'm like, he's probably postponing it because her dad has all the control over all of her money. Like she had a psychotic breakdown in 2008. And then her dad took away all the control of everything that she has. And then went and sent her out on tour, the tour that you saw. And and I'm like, if if you're so concerned about your daughter and her mental stability, why in the world would you make her go out there and have a whole tour and like come out with all this stuff? Like, yeah, it's insane to me. And I'm like, the tour was insane too. Like it was a tour. It was almost like if he really sent her out on that tour after psychotic breakdown, now that I think about it, I remember the psychotic breakdown. We're like, yeah, I remember the breakdown. And then I remember the tour. I didn't put the two things together because I was in high school, obviously not thinking fully about what Brittany's going through on a day-to-day basis. I was more of like, thank you again for putting a tour out because I'm buying tickets. (laughs) And when I got there, like, I mean, you, and I was obsessed with circus because at the time I was doing like a different tour myself with like a dance convention and we were doing a circus theme tour of Britney Spears' stuff. So I was like dancing to the, that music and stuff. And she did less dancing on that tour than I expected. Like the Pussycat Dolls did more dancing. Britney did a lot of strutting around, but I remember there were like mixed reviews. It was either like the tour was incredible or people were like, what's going on? And it was definitely... It was just crazy. Like it was a pro- it was a production of a lifetime, but at the same time, like I can't imagine. I don't even know how old she was at the time, but it, I can't imagine being in something that big while also having no control. Exactly, she had no control, and she was being like, I just cannot stand the fact that her dad put her through all this. Claims she has dementia, makes this huge thing, goes to court, gets control of everything that she has, takes all of her rights away to where they're in his control and then throws her back out there to make, I think I read something about it being over a hundred million dollar tour like that they earned. So I'm like, this man is probably paying this judge to postpone the date for as long as he possibly can. That's definitely not a fact. That's an assumption, but I don't know. I need to read more about it, but Anyway, free Britney. That's the main point of this. And we love her. And stop leaving hateful comments, people out there. Do not judge her. She is really struggling. And we all need to support her. She's an icon in our lifetime and will go down in history forever. But so since she's on since, oh, the tour had cost $10 million. So they they must have made a lot of money. I'm looking at it now. Um, What's it called? Yeah. I'm wondering what's been happening in Vegas with her since it, it, this is a lot. It's just a lot. It's a lot for anyone. I can't, the amount of mental, um, I feel like trauma, I guess you would consider it that I've experienced even just with an ounce of being in the public eye. I cannot even fathom what, where her brain is right now. Are you in a creative rut? Do you need some inspiration? Are you tired of feeling like you're getting dumber every day? Join an online learning community and work that brain. 
I recently got a new membership to my new favorite online learning community, Skillshare. They have thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. They provide the opportunity to explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and spark your creativity. Currently in our world, there are so many important conversations happening, and your voice is more essential than ever. On Skillshare, you can explore classes to unlock your creativity for social good. The creative classes that Skillshare offers are designed for real life. These lessons can help you stay inspired, express yourself, and introduce you to community of millions. I personally have started the class called Creative Breakthrough, eight exercises to power your creativity, confidence, and career, taught by Danielle Krissa. One of my favorite discussions in the class is talking about aha moments. They are the moments in life when you feel a breakthrough, and that feeling tells me that an aspect of my life is about to change. Danielle Krissa focuses on teaching you how to find those aha moments in your life and how to find inspiration. Skillshare provides many classes like this, and their membership is so valuable in finding your creativity again. While we stay at home, Skillshare provides a great way to find inspiration in different aspects of your life. Skillshare offers memberships with meaning. There is so much to explore, projects to create, and the support of your fellow creatives. Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth, and there's no need to be intimidated. Skillshare has classes to fit your schedule and your skill level. In-person classes and workshops are always so pricey. Skillshare is incredibly affordable. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Explore your creativity and get two months free of premium membership at Skillshare.com slash Demi. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Get started and join today by heading to Skillshare.com slash Demi. That's two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com slash Demi. That's S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E dot com slash D-E-M-I. Get that brain working. I want to talk about the trauma you've experienced, but right before I want to get there, because I, I want to, I, I want to lead up to that because I know, cause you're my best friend and I know about it. And I want you to be able to share more about that. Um, since we're on the topic of pop culture, just to start it off, I want to know what everyone, all the listeners want to know. How do you feel? What do you think about Matt James being our next bachelor? And how do you feel about the timing that ABC chose to announce the first Black Bachelor during the BLM movement that's happening right now? It was mixed reviews. I think I called you. I think I messaged you and put Matt James dot, dot, dot. Like they would. Because it was almost like you, it just felt a little inauthentic in the moment because it was like damage control, essentially. Um, I mean, I had a feeling they picked him to be the potential bachelor in the first place. Like that's where they were going with it. Like ultimately we know that they control nearly every, yeah, every situation in the show to where even if Claire didn't like him for one ounce of a second, he was going to be in at the very least the top six in order to become the bachelor. I mean, I don't think that, I don't know for a fact if that was their plan, but I can imagine it being very close to that. If it wasn't their plan A, it was definitely their plan B. So, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I was just like, I I could see that from afar anyway. And I think that the movement accelerated it. Um, It was just a mixture of these. Like, I'm proud of them for doing it and I'm happy that we're going in the right direction. But I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with his particular cast, how they treat his cast and the conversations and uh, 
it's weird because everything's so controlled. Like, who are they going to bring to the top? What if he does? Like, what if he falls in love with a white girl? How are they going to handle the interracial couple conversation? Uh, how are they going to handle the backlash of him maybe not picking a black girl? Uh, are they going to, like, it's just now there's like, of course, there's a lot of intricacies. The intricacies we want to know about that. We want these conversations to happen, but I'm interested to see how ABC handles it. Um, I am happy that they did it, but and I congratulations to Matt James because I think he'll be great, especially I don't know him at all, but what I've seen of him through like TikToks and all this stuff, I think he'll be great and entertaining. And I love what he does with ABC Food Tours. I'm pretty sure I DM'd him wanting to be a part of that like <laughs> last year or something, being like, not like to hit on him, just being like, hi, I want to be a part of this. He uh, never got back to me, so it wasn't cool enough, but... <laughs> Ah, I would hit on him. He's hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I I just wanted to be a part of the ABC food tours because I was like, wow, that's exactly what I see myself being a part of. But he's so sweet. Yeah, I just like yeah. Um, I think he's such a great candidate to be the Bachelor. It's like perfect, but yeah, very opportune time for them. I just uh, hope they follow through with other promises. You know. Yeah, and I do. There is a big. I haven't looked at anything that like, you know, how the mad Facebook middle-aged white women act all the time towards bachelor things. I haven't looked at any of that, but I am really uh, worried for him and what that, what these women are going to say because these women are the result of white supremacy and white privilege and they hate on everything. And I can imagine that they're going to say nasty things to him. And so I just, I wanted to talk to you and I wanted to give you an opportunity to speak out about like, what have you experienced as a person of color in result of being on a reality show that has historically been predominantly white and just like displayed a lot of racist tendencies? Like what have you experienced as a result of all that? Well, hmm. I've definitely experienced, let's say mainly in regard to my physical features, I experience a lot of backlash about, you know, my nose and things like, uh, just, just like my, mainly my nose. <laughs> That's really what it is. Um, it pisses me off because there, I, I love your nose. I've never noticed, it never came across to me that there was anything wrong with your nose. And it broke my heart seeing what people said to you about that. Yeah. But you know, I think that if I had a big nose as a white person, someone might say it too. So I, I sometimes take that as like, yes, it's an offense to me and my ethnicity, but also sometimes I feel like people are just being assholes about looks in general. Um, I've had to over the... That's like, well, you know that that's like historically something that white people have done as a form of racism is make fun of black people's noses and say that they're, you know, insulted them and all these things. And like, whenever I saw you, I told you so many times, like whenever you walked in, I said, oh, I'm it's over for me. I'm not going, I, I'm out of here night one. This girl right here, she's going to win it all. She's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Wow. It was game over for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, thank you. I just like, yeah, it's definitely a racist thing to do. And the way people do it is so nasty, but in all honesty, like what I've had to process the most over this time and with the trolls is like my, personal mixed privilege and grieve sometimes the the things I you know it's 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 weird it's not weird but it's just a different would you, would you, me, would you just tell me about like because you've told me but I I really think that people 
it, it would help some people out there who are dealing with the same thing, like what it was like growing up for you as yeah. being a mixed person. Yeah, so being a mixed girl in a predominant, I, it's like I already was living with Bachelor fans <laughs> before I was on The Bachelor. Like, like the I was living with the Bachelor audience, so I was already essentially pre-filtered for The Bachelor, which is probably what they honestly loved in my casting. <laughs> ABC was like, Loki, we like this. She's already pre-filtered for our audience. But that, oh, I hate that. I know I hate it too because that's some of the stuff that I've grieved because I've I've grieved and processed mixed privilege um, my entire life. Uh, I know that as a survival, it's very primitive for me uh, to do something like I don't know. There's something called like white passing. Like a lot of people would consider me white passing. Or what is uh, what does that mean? What does white passing mean? Uh, pass as like potentially a white person or ethnically ambiguous to where they didn't know if I was black or not. And like some people, I know a lot of people would be like, what? But some people look at me and like, think I might be Hispanic or think I might have a little bit of Asian in me or just think I'm like part native American, obviously um, all of which are uh, minorities, but for the most part, like sometimes I wouldn't be associated with being black or, or there was microaggressions as I experienced growing up. And I can't blame myself for this now. As a little kid, I didn't know. I knew it was wrong, uh, but I didn't know how to handle it. So I just adapted. And with those microaggressions, it would be, well, you're not really a, you're not really black. You're, you're more white to me. You're my whitest black friend I know. Or like you're an Oreo because you're black on the outside and white on the inside. And in my, as a child, and I'm sure I would love to, I mean, I've talked to my therapist about this a lot, but like, and I would love to go dive deeper into child psychology. But as a child, my primitive response subconsciously was like, oh, what these people are associating when they say I'm white on the inside is they're saying, I, like, or I'm the whitest friend they have, or whitest black friend they have. They're saying, oh, you're smart, you're educated, you're sophisticated. And in my mind, I wasn't, I knew that's wrong. Like my that, but I also knew in my head, oh, they're associating this color with this quality, and this quality is a good quality, and this quality brings success. So I'm gonna be what they need me to be so I can get these things. Not, I'm gonna be myself, but I'm also gonna continue being educated and stuff. So I'm gonna take what they said and not really comment on it and not get mad about it because I'm still going to be receiving these things. That's part of my mixed privilege, but also I had to check some people and be like, yeah, that's wrong. Like you don't really say that, but as a child when you're like 10 years old, I wasn't aware on how to handle that. Um and that's no blame to my parents by any means because they're like first generation mixed couple even allowed to get married. Um so they didn't even know how to help me navigate. And my dad told me like some things he wouldn't want me to to, he wouldn't badger into me because he wanted me to experience it and not experience the full ugly, but experience my own uglies is what he says. And I would, but they were so passive aggressive that it was like the hardest thing as a child to like, I knew I didn't fit in, but I knew I wasn't all the way out either. Like I was accepted, but I definitely didn't fit in. Or like at the same time, like even dating, uh, a big part of like my story that they never aired on the show. And like, I would always be in interviews and being like, they'd be like, why do you friend zone yourself? Why do you friend zone yourself, Katie? And I was like, 
I don't know. And then when I really started journaling, I was like, holy crap. Like when I grew, as I was growing up, whenever I started finally, like when you are like 12, 13, you start really liking boys and like wanting boys to like you back or whoever to like you back, girls, boys, whatever. But like for me, when I started wanting boys to like me back, I found that they just didn't like me back. And it was because I was black and they wouldn't say like, you're black. I don't like you. They would just kind of, it was behavioral. It's like, oh, the guys like these small blonde girls with blue eyes or, or like even brunettes. But I'm just saying like they liked this particular type of girl. And I was one of like not many mixed girls at the time in my area. And they just definitely weren't liking me, but they were dancing around the idea, like how to really say it. So I realized they all liked me as a friend, but they didn't like me as any more than that. And it's because I was just so different. Um, And so I just started automatically friend zoning myself for the rest of my life, pretty much. So like any guy, like even, I mean, and not all guys thought that way as I grew up, but I was in a long relationship. And then after that, I like just didn't know how to date because I'd been in a relationship for a while. And I'd also had associated myself as like friend zone to everybody. And some guys would be like, yeah, I used to like you, but you like, you definitely established friendship. And I'm like, I think that was a way of protecting myself because I didn't want to know if you were low key racist. <laughs> it's like, I, I, that's just how primitively I was. I was like, oh, people aren't really a, like, I just started counting myself out of certain things, but trying to it was weird. And then the grie- the grieving of like, my school wasn't segregated, obviously, but there was, there's still some divide, especially in the South. There's definitely a divide at some points. And I would feel torn. Like, I definitely remember having my, like, my black friends and I would have like my white friends and I would have my black friends that hung out with the white friends, but those black friends acted quote unquote whiter to the white people, AKA like, a little bit more educated, a little bit more sophisticated. My black friends acted ex- perfectly sophisticated, but like I would look at them and loved all equally because I saw my dad and my mom every day. So for me, I was just, I was confused at how there was a divide when I was really young, like before I started learning more. And um, I was just realizing like teachers even treated, I don't have, I didn't have any black teachers at my school. Um, but anyway, like, teachers treated like the black kids as troublemakers and they didn't treat the white kids as troublemakers. So I already knew that if I had a choice between two sides, obviously I didn't want to choose. Obviously no one wants to choose, but survival skills or is like your survival mode, like your primitive response is like, I obviously don't want to be in trouble and they're getting in trouble for no reason. So I'm going to hang out a little over here more often because I'm not trying to be in trouble. And I know if I hang out over here, I'm going to be in trouble. That's the type of stuff I would have to grieve because I didn't, I, then I was like, am I pursuing racist acts if I'm not hanging out with my black friends because I know that they're most likely to get in trouble and I don't want to get in trouble. It's like, there's so many complicated thoughts to that, that I had to go to therapy straight up because there's just like, so there's like just processing the privilege that I had but also not turning a blind eye at all, but also wanting to get places and realizing that this is America and I was going to have to like walk this way in order to do it, but also recognize this and reach back and help these people that are also a part of me and bring them up while I'm going out too. <laughs> so yeah, it's a big complicated situation, but recognizing mixed privilege is huge. And I also feel for a lot of mixed people out there. And I'm glad that like during this movement, I haven't, 
I, I, uh, I talked to Rachel Lindsay for like a little bit in the beginning and was like, Rachel, like you're so great. And we all love Rachel Lindsay. And I feel bad that sometimes she feels so obligated to be the spokesperson. I know it can be exhausting for like the spokesperson for everyone, for all problems, bullying, black lives matter, every single thing. She's so great and so articulate. But I was like, listen, I, I don't want to be the silent friend. I hate the silent friends. I don't want any of my friends to be silent, but I'm sitting over here feeling like, feeling like guilty, but also feeling like I've, I've felt oppression, but I've also felt guilt from being privileged because I've just been torn down the middle my entire life. And she was like, then that's your story. And that's what you share. And I was like, you're right. Like I, it's, it's going to be relatable to someone like someone else feels the way I feel. So, so that's really it. It's like, I've had privileges, but I've also definitely, definitely experienced like people not wanting me around for certain things or thinking that, Oh, when I get, when I used to get mad, I used to get so mad about things. And if I get mad, I already knew that it looked differently than if my white friend got mad. Yeah. Because you're like now the angry black woman or yeah, like angry black woman or aggressive. So I always, I remember I I knew exactly like when I was a little kid, I didn't even realize the concepts of racism that I had in my head that to me, I didn't know like, oh, people are racist. That's not what I was going to say. But whenever my dad would be super loud in a restaurant, I used to say, daddy, shh, because I knew, first of all, there weren't many black people around at all, but I was just like, daddy, shh, 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 because I would, I would shush him, which is bad on me. Another thing I had to grieve because as, but I was a child, I didn't know any better. All I knew is if these people aren't happy with how loud you are, they might do something about it. And I don't really want anything to happen to you right now, especially at breakfast. So if you wouldn't mind keeping your voice down, it was more of like me trying to protect my dad. And, but my dad also being proud and free and like his rights to be in a freaking free country and be as loud as he wants. But me also recognizing these people are looking at us like not good and you're not doing anything but having a good time and probably dancing around, but I don't want any trouble from these people. So like, I want us to like maybe just keep a low profile, but that was also like, he was also like, be proud to be yourself. And I was like, I'm trying to be proud to be myself, but I'm also realizing that people aren't liking this. And it's just like the weirdest, craziest, like you just feel torn. I am so sorry that you go through that. Like, and I know I've witnessed it firsthand. I've witnessed somebody tell like you telling me, Oh, tell your friend that I think his friend is cute and hook me up. And then my friend telling me, I don't know if he likes black girls. And then I witnessed somebody saying like, you know, a white guy saying Katie's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. So like, I can only imagine how much of that you've experienced your whole life. And not only with like relationships, but also with friendships, like, I know that I've had friends in the past, like whenever I was in high school and stuff, and um, I always had a lot of black friends and I would always want to bring them everywhere. And I had white friends that didn't want them to go because they were black. And so I can only imagine how much of that, even if they were mixed or whatever, they were just like, no, we want like, you know, some stupid bunch of blonde bimbos to join along with us. And I was like, no, I'm not going. Then I'm going to go smoke weed with my friends and not hang out with you at some stupid party with a bunch of frat boys. Right. Um, yeah, I can imagine like everything that you had to go through, and I'm just so sorry that that happened to you. And I am always here for you, and I support you, and I want your family. I know you have a lot of really big activists on your dad's side of your family, and I would love to like be able to talk to them 
Well, and everyone can always learn a lot more. And I think that's another part of me that felt like, you know, I essentially, essentially I felt like I'm being a good enough mixed person. Like I, I felt that way. I know I'm really hard on myself, but like I'm always learning too. And what I experienced in my whole, my whole life was just being torn down the middle, almost to the point of being debilitated in speaking or saying or doing or taking action. I mean, my like white side extended family, racist. (laughs) I mean, I mean, came around a little bit, but like, definitely my grandma at one point didn't approve of this marriage. And then my, uh, on the other side, I have a family full of black activists that are incredible human beings. And me, I'm sitting over here, like I'm an activist that has also just, but also grew up in a surrounded by people that were like, essentially like, it's just, I didn't grow up around my black activist family, but I would constantly visit them and see them. And I, I would feel this like pull to be better and do better. And like, and I always have wanted to fight for people and I've always spoken up. But then after spending time with my family, I would like run back to my neighborhood and start speaking up. And I was like the only one speaking up and I would get slammed down. So then I was just like, Ooh, back to fitting in and trying to just, uh, you know, get places in school and in sports and do well and just fit in enough to be successful. So I'm going to do that over here, but I still, I still will speak my mind and tell people when I think something isn't right, but I wasn't being super active. And now I, and that's because I just felt so torn all the time. I didn't know what was right, when it was right, when I was being wrong, how to say it, because you know, if you say something to someone and you don't say it the right way or not even the right way. There's not always a right way to say something, but if you say something to someone and they just don't get it and you don't know yet how to articulate it to a point where they will get it, it's almost pointless to say it. And then you're just having arguments that don't go anywhere. It was like, that was the story of my life. I basically became silent because I was like, damn, I'm just dealing with a lot of people that don't want to hear it and aren't really willing to. Um, And those are still people to this day that still exist back in like where I, in my hometown that like aren't posting a black box that that will argue against it that like, I mean, yeah. So it's just like, I was constantly just trying to fit in in one place where I absolutely didn't and also bring change. And I decided that because my voice was similarly like decently silent, that my actions had to show how great black people could be. So like, I knew that I was like, you know, if no one's going to really listen to me, if I'm, I'm not going to try and put an idea down someone's throat right now when I'm 10 years old, but I am going to show them that my family is black and proud and educated and sophisticated and kind, and we fuck up and we get mad, but we don't do, we're not, and we're not breaking the law. And we're like, we are a part of society just like you are. And we have emotions just like you. And we have three different colors in my house. So, so if we can do it, like you freaking can. And so that was really what it was. It was just like, I have to take action and lead by example. I love that you've taken that approach on and like you have gotten this strength because I remember whenever the whole um, BLM movement started happening, the most recent where people started protesting and, and everything. I know a lot of fans and a lot of people follow you were like DMing you. And I remember how, um, how I saw you and like how sad you were and like hurt you were over a bunch of people saying like, essentially you're not black enough. And that 
that killed me because that's so not fair for anyone to say. And I just wanted to see like what you had to say about that. And like, if you could advise people something on how to approach that differently or how to change their mentality or something like that and realize and like maybe help them realize how hurtful that can be for somebody who has been so torn, you know, with what to do their whole life. And now it's like, you you know, you're trying to, you're figuring it out and you've been figuring it out for the past few years and stuff. And like, what, what would you say to them? I would say never, um, never dismantle or negate anyone's personal experience because everyone comes from a different city, a different place, a different demographic of people. Although we're all from America, everyone's individual experience around this country has been so wildly different. So, um, also knowledge is power. So the more education, I know it's really hard to figure out where to start, but starting is the whole thing. I mean, um, if we're going to clean up any sort of mess, like if you're going to clean your room, you can't just stare at it and say, it's a mess. I don't know where to start. So I'm not really going to do it. You have to just start picking up the pieces and start educating yourself and start learning. So knowledge is power and it'll make you feel empowered and you'll be able to stand up for either yourself or people who need it. Um, and then never negating anyone's experience. And then also if you are a person of color or a person who mixed or a person who is white and is processing, processing your individual privileges is um, it's a grieving process on all fronts. And so allowing yourself to understand where in life you've done wrong and just fixing those from here forward and not, um, not it's, it's heavy, but not hanging on to anything that you've done wrong in the past or that you feel like you don't agree with now, leave that self behind and promise yourself to do better. Yeah. That's really beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. You're such a beautiful soul Thanks. I love you so much. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so sorry about everything that you had to go through. I mean, I know we all go through things, but as a white woman, I did not go through oppression. I mean, I am, I guess women are kind of considered minorities in a way, but no, I'm a white woman. I'm a cute little white girl. Like, no, I have not suffered near what people of color have suffered. And I can't even imagine what it's like to be, you know, shamed just for being who I am. And I'm just really sorry that that's happened to you. And I'm I'm excited to just like hold your hand and us go through this together. And I will protect you at all costs. And I know you'd always protect me too. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Dems. Of course. So since we've been speaking about like mental health and, you know, Mm -hmm. all of these things that have been going on and how you've been feeling, one thing that has been a very active topic in the Bachelor Nation world lately is like online bullying and the reaction that you get from fans or, you know, haters and whatnot. So like how... Um, how has reality TV affected your mental health? Um, It shook me into a deep, dark place that I call the grief cocoon. (laughs) And it, I literally webbed myself into a cocoon full of grief. And in the sense of like, any negative comments or even like things I thought were going to go my way that didn't or, or this relationship that I had wanted that turned out to be the exact opposite of what I thought it would be. Or like even forgiving myself or other people saying bad things about me. Like it just wrapped me into this like cocoon filled with like 
anxiety, depression, and a lot of uh, grieving what could have been, what should have been, what I, what I did wrong, what I did right, what loving myself even, like um, the parts where people's comments affected me showed me where I was weak in the sense that I, I wasn't strong enough and grounded enough in myself to where I could be like, let that comment kind of shake off. I mean, once you get a thousand of those comments, it's really hard to stay grounded. It's like someone's, it's like a punching bag a little bit. Like if someone like nudges you while your feet are just like wedged into the ground, you won't fall over. But if like someone, if there's a whole, uh, slew of people people are nudging you you're gonna fall yeah there's a stampede you might you're most likely gonna fall over and so when there's like a stampede of people like that's like all the people sliding into your dms it's like it's mufasa and that goddamn stampede and it's, it's like it really is it's simba and it's mufasa like sometimes you don't make it sometimes you do but damn it's freaking hard and and it's well, it's just like that. You just get knocked, 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 knocked and hope to get back up and you're just waiting for the stampede to be over. And I feel like that's what you kind of do. You kind of ground yourself and try and figure yourself out. Like we're all trying to figure ourselves out while being stampeded on. Really hard to do. But, um, and that's what kind of put me into like the grief cocoon that I just said, like, I need to put my head down and do inner personal work before I bring my head back up for air to see what's going on in the outside world and for people like to open myself up to essentially the stampede of energy bombs. Um, so I basically just like closed off for a little while, which, you know, like I went through a lot and at first like leaving Colton season, I, I still struggled. Like I went home for two weeks and I'm pretty sure stared at the ceiling. Cause I was like, what just happened? My, my mind was just so confused. Like the amount of stuff that like production controls and like the things they bring up, like, don't you think that you're doing this to yourself? Like the things that you end up making decisions on from people influencing those decisions, you're like, I would have never done that. But somehow after talking about that in circles, I ended up making that decision. That wasn't me. So you essentially like lose yourself um, a little bit in some of the decision-making. And if you didn't lose yourself at all in any means and didn't make any decisions that weren't your original first one, then kudos. But like, yeah, it's hard not to do that, especially when you have a bunch of like whispers around you at all times. And when you come out of there and you're like, I wouldn't have done this or this or this. And now people are judging this, this, and this there's two hard things that happen. One hard thing is when people judge the, when the real you does pop out on the TV and people stampede over that, that's freaking tough because you're like, Oh shoot, that was me. And now people are saying that's not good enough. And another side, when like a decision you made that wasn't really you kind of pops out and people judge that you're like, wait, hold on. That wasn't me. And so then that's really tough. You're like, I feel misunderstood. But then on this side, if they don't like the real you, it's like, well, now everyone hates me. So am I even good enough? So there's really just like no winning. And in that case, you have to like stand your ground and be like, I'm solid with being who I am and make these solid decisions from here on out. And it can't matter what people say because there's literally no winning, no matter what. The person you put out could be seemingly perfect. Someone's going to have something to say about that. And if they do, there's, you're, you're putting out a front and it's not fulfilling you internally. 
And if you do put out your entire full, beautiful self and people say stuff about that, which they will, then it's still going to hurt because it's going to hurt your ego. It's going to like, it's going to hurt your mentality to a certain degree. And in that sense, you have to stand strong and just be confident in yourself, but easier said than done. Either way, no winning with the audience. So you've got to win within yourself, which is like I said, easier said than done. I love that. And I, I hated seeing what you went through after the show. I hated how, you know, you got so many mean things sent to you from people and I thought I was weak, which was like, honestly, the biggest section ever. Like I did see some of my weakness, especially in like the freaking tell all, like, let me just say <sighs> for paradise or paradise. Like, yeah, I was trying to protect someone who was overall a good person, but just not my person. So it was like, yeah, like this person's kind of like not, not great for me, not good for me at all. But I'm also not trying to throw them under the bus, but I'm also kind of low key throwing them under the bus, but like trying not to say everything that's happened because you guys like, it's like, there was just not going to be winning on that front. And I felt like so torn again. I was like, Oh no. No. And I also, and you, you knew your audience. Remember you have a racist audience. Watch. I also am like not trying to be, yeah, I was like not trying to be angry, but like was totally mad and like totally knew that something was wrong. Totally knew that something was up, but also felt really bad at the time. Cause we weren't supposed to come out separately. Like, at all like I wasn't trying to be fake either because what was I was like what was I supposed to do I think at one point I'm like what was I supposed to do be happy and have babies like no I was trying to be real but also not trying to be a complete dick and there really was no way to do that like me being real people were like upset about it and so whenever I get overwhelmed like that my first instinct is to just start crying and basically I have a frog in my throat so that's what happened but like yeah, after that, people that's completely, so- completely normal. And like, that's a very valid way to feel. And you are processing your emotions in the best way that you can. And you did yeah. everything the best way that you could. And so I, I've I told you since it happened, do not beat yourself up about it, because you were nothing but honest. And there was a lot more that you could have said, and you still like try to like filter yourself and like come off the right way. So you could protect that person. But people are just naturally hard on anyone like on a reality show. But I always want you to know that you did nothing wrong in that situation. Well, yeah, like people, yeah, like I said, people were going to have something to say either way. Like also the fact that, yeah, I didn't wear my ring. That was dumb. That was not my decision. Uh, It was, yeah. They literally took you into a trailer by yourself. (laughs) I was with like three. I thought I was going to be in the water with everyone. Huh? I thought I was going to be in the audience with everyone unbeknownst to me. I'm there for four hours in a trailer, just them being like, basically being like trying to make me break up with someone on the stage. Like, and I was like, no. And then I was like, what's going on? What's happening? My brain is on a drama. Yeah. So I thought I was like, when are we going on stage? (laughs) Little did I know I was in my own little jail cell, just like, like having this, like, I mean, I'm the the perfect, it was just like perfect for them because I was just like so emotional and they knew I'd been through a lot like with uh, Chris at the time and so much had happened, but uh, and I was like, kind of like Loki, like scared (laughs) and I just, I just didn't know, but it, it really did affect me a lot. And you saw, talk about cocoon of grief 
before deciding to like break it off I mean I was like waking up in the morning crying and like throwing up because I was so my stomach was I was so much anxiety and I feel like I was letting him down everyone else down it was like no this is about me exactly and like when the moment I woke up and said this is about me like this is like what do I need I need to not wake up feeling like this like no 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 ma'am get up pity party's over I know you've been through a lot but we move on from this. Here's where we pivot. <laughs> like, this is where we pivot. It's okay to change the course of action here. We can't do this and keep living like this for our mental health sake. So you got to go. <laughs> and that's essentially what happened. And I felt instant relief. And Chris for sure did too. Uh, it was just instant relief. Wait, you are so strong and you've been such a strong friend for me and such a really beautiful inspiration in so many ways to me and one of the best friends I've ever had. You've always been there and I feel like I've been there for you a lot too and I love that we have that mutual respect. What people don't know, by the way, is like, let me just say, hold on, pause, pause, pause. I don't know if we're over on time, but I just have to say because I feel like people don't give you enough freaking credit for being a good friend there are girls on this show who I will not even call out most people are good friends but there are girls on this show that are terrible friends that you people out there give way too much credit to and Demi is such a good friend I was depressed like severely like I was seeing my therapist like having to talk to them every day and Demi slept on my couch for two weeks because I couldn't get off my couch for two weeks and like nurse me back to health and until I could get up and start reading again and start walking, walking outside again and uh, like helping me take care of bear and bear was like by my side the whole time. And I was like, that was the worst. I know for a fact that in my life and I've been through a lot more than has ever come out to the public. And that was even through going through all that, that was the worst mental state I was in. And you were 100% there for me the entire time. And I hate when I get messages of people being like, are you friends with so-and-so? Are you friends with so-and-so? Are you friends with so-and-so? I'm like, y'all have no idea. But meanwhile, Demi Burnett has been one of the best friends for everyone. Yes, you might be sometimes like outlandish and say shit. <laughs> I, I put my foot in my mouth a lot. I say things yeah, that I think are funny that are not. I tell you guys <laughs> that I have to be like Demi. <laughs> She does. She has to check me sometimes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. I'm so sorry. We don't say that. <laughs> we don't say that. Like, we got to check ours. You got to, like, let's check yeah, this. But I need that. I need that friend who checks me because most people are just too scared. So they just, like, let me say whatever. And they, like, fake laugh. And I'm like, ha, ah, these people think I'm funny. And then I'm like, oh God, wait, reflecting later, I'm like, maybe that was too offensive. But Katie's always there to check me. And I really need that. And you've been such an amazing friend to me. You've always been there for me too. And I I can't get enough of Katie Mo. I really can't. Oh, thanks. Well, I just wanted to say people out there who think that Demi might I mean, I feel like people do think you're a good friend, but like let me just let let the record show she's a better friend than you think. She she does have her selfish twenty five year old ways, but like what twenty five year old isn't going through a quarter life crisis slash isn't being the most selfish person ever because they're twenty five years old? Like cut her some slack. <laughs> so like you just moved to Los Angeles, you were having the time of your life. Whenever you move from the south to Los Angeles, it's like a whole new world. So 
yeah, you've been a really great friend to me. I appreciate you. And I just wanted to let people say that so that you didn't have to like, <laughs> I just wanted to defend you right quick before anyone ever called you a bad friend again. <laughs> Thank you. You are my family, Katie. And your family is my family. I adore everyone in your family. You kind of marry my brother, Loki. Don't. I was about to say it, but then I was like thinking about his girlfriend and I'm like, well, I mean, if they get married, maybe, but I'll probably marry him anyway. <laughs> Somehow, Demi's going to finagle herself into my fam. I'm going to weasel my way in. Also, who else checks you? My dad checked you this weekend. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, real quick story because I have to wrap it up because this has gone on really long, but I've loved every second of it. I don't want to go. But um, so this weekend, me and Katie were hanging out, and her, her parents called. Her mom called her, and she was on speaker with her dad, and me and Katie were on speaker. And her mom uh, is an accountant, and so she was. She helps me with my taxes, and she was like, "Demi, did you file your taxes yet?" And I was like, "No, not yet. I'm gonna do it this week." And Katie's gonna remind me. And her dad, tell tell him what your dad said. Um, my dad said, I, "Oh, Demi goes. Katie's gonna remind me this week." And my dad goes, "How about you remind yourself?" <laughs> I was like, "Thank you, Steve. I needed that. Like, I need to be checked." And he goes. Is that what you remind yourself? And Demi was like, you're right, you're right. He's, and and we, he said one more thing, one more thing you did say. It was later on in the day. I can't remember what it was. He said something else. And I was like, he is on my ass today, isn't he? Like, he's not really taking like, he's not really taking laziness today. <laughs> I'm, I was loving it though. I was like, please let him, let me have it, Steve. Um, but yeah, no, an, an amazing family. And it's honestly a family I want to be a part of forever. I spent Christmas with them this year, actually. That was really special. Um, but anyway, we have to wrap it up because I'm taking way too long and I could talk to you forever. I mean, that's why we're best friends. But thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me today. I know you're really busy moving and whatnot. And you know, I love you so much. And I'm so grateful for our friendship. What things do you have coming out that you want to tell the listeners about? Like, what should they be looking out for? Any new fun projects? Here's what you should be looking out for. Nothing at all. So that I can, so that whatever does come out, it's, it's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's a surprise. Expectations. um, um, Under promise over deliver is what they say. (laughs) That's very fair, but I will say, check out her Instagram. What, what is your Instagram? Is it at Katie Emo? (laughs) If you call me Katie Emo one more time, <laughs> Katie Mo with two E's, Katie Mo regular was taken, K A T I E E Mo or Katie Emo, because honestly, I'm a pretty emotional human being. <laughs> I'm emo. But yeah, she has a really great Instagram, very inspirational, and she gives lots of good tips on there, lots of inspiration about home decor, lifestyle. I, do. Uh, I love her Instagram. I do have a lot of things like in the making as always as per usual but yeah honestly low expectations under problems over deliver (laughs) I'm right there with you um so thank you so much Katie and I will see you tomorrow (laughs) oh my gosh loser okay thank you so much I love you I love you I love you bye I love you too bye